Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Turn into your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. We have this sermon today, and then next week we'll conclude our study on this series of the book of Revelation. But good news, after this series, we're going to talk about... Christmas! Advent! So it will be, it, next week will be our last uh, sermon series on Revelation, and we are going to sing the song next week, Joy to the World, which is, of course, a Christmas song, right? Joy to the World Christmas song. But if you read the lyrics, it's actually a song about Jesus' second coming. And so it will be this perfect song to sing in between Revelation and Advent and Christmas time. So turn to chapter 21 of the book of Revelation as we come to a conclusion of this series next week. Um, I wonder if some of you are maybe wondering, like, why, I wonder why they didn't talk about this or, or about that. Some of you at the beginning of this series, because I remember announcing that we're going to study the book of Revelation and many of you were like, wow, yes, this is awesome. And maybe some of you thought we are going to read it like dispensationally, meaning that in one hand we have the book of Revelation and in the other hand we kind of figuratively have the newspaper, the world events going on today, and we try to marry the two. Maybe some of you listen to preachers who do that or have been in churches where they have talked a lot about that and there's guesses about who the beast is or who the Antichrist is living today or who this uh, woman of Babylon, this whore of Babylon is and you throw out some uh, like f- female political leaders and everyone laughs and it's like, no, and then someone emails me. It's like, ah, it wasn't funny when you said that name was the whore of Babylon. Or we just line up these events, like, oh, these events happening today could be this. This pandemic could be this. A couple verses being played out. And to be all honest with you, that kind of stuff is really, like, it's kind of fun. Like, conspiracies, like, they're kind of fun to me. I realize they're probably not the healthiest things, but there's like, oh, what's buried under the Denver airport? Have you heard this one? And there's a conspiracy. Oh, that's kind of fun. Like, no one's, like, boring. Everyone's like, are you serious? Like, what's on? I mean, it's all probably conspiracy. Conspiracy, not true, but everyone's like, well, that's interesting. It's at least fun to think about. And some of the stuff in the book of Revelation and comparing it to today, it's fun stuff. And we really haven't done that in this series. And so I imagine some of you are like, man, this is kind of disappointing. I was hoping for some of that fun stuff, but I think and Brett has preached with me, that we have done something much more important, which is to zoom up out of the weeds and talk about big principles like Jesus, like he's coming again, like how much he loves the church. And we've talked about these bigger things that may not be as fun to talk about, like what's buried under the Denver airport, but it's much more important to talk about the big principle things. So through the lens of the first century, we have been talking about the book of Revelation, which is just good hermeneutics. It's good exegesis. It's how we should approach every book of the Bible. Like if two people are fighting about what's James mean when he says this in the book of James, we would say, well, let's go back and see what James would have been saying to these people and how they would have interpreted it. Right? 
Right, this is just good Bible study. So that's what we have been doing. And so some of you might ask, like we're wrapping up this series. Well, doesn't the book of Revelation say anything then about the end times? And to that, I would say, yes. Yes, it does. Today's sermon, we are going to talk about the end and what we have to look forward to. And so today I want to zoom up out of the weeds, kind of a 30,000 foot view like as if we're on an airplane looking down at the book of Revelation and the end times. And I want to talk about four things that are for surely going to happen. I'm going to talk about the four sures of the end times. See what I did there? Some of you aren't even laughing. You're not even smiling. Like, give me a, I'm not a comedian, but I need some help. Give me a courtesy laugh. <laughs> okay, that was worse. That was somehow worse. Thank you. Thank you. So the four sures, I realize it's a dad joke. I am a dad of four little boys. So it's a dad joke. The four sures of the end times. And so that means that today's sermon, some of you have been waiting for this day to come. Some of you have been dreading this day to come. But almost always, Dan Glass, wherever he is, he could fact check me. He's our fact checker on this. But I think it's been years since, like a normal Sunday morning, I always preach uh, how many points to my sermons. Three, that's like a staple. Like you come to New Life Manitou and you expect that. So today, get ready to gasp. Get ready. Where's Tim Hockersmith? I don't see him. I, I, I told him yesterday that I have four points. He said, I'm going to boo you when you say that. So today I have a four-point sermon. <gasps> Okay. For those of you that, that uh, anyways, if you're new to New Life Management, well, you always do three point. That's the joke. So the four sures of the end times. Let's get into the Bible with all seriousness. I have for us a passage that I don't think there's a more encouraging six verses in all of the Bible. This is what we are all waiting for. This is a vision of heaven and heaven coming to earth. This is it. It's a remarkable six verses that if you don't leave here encouraged, like you need to, you need to receive these verses. This is such good news. This is the gospel. This is, this is awesome. This is a view of heaven coming to earth. So if you would, would you stand with me? We're going to read Revelation 21, one through six. This um, starts off with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea, which is an interesting metaphor for, for this new heaven and new earth. Because to us, I think living in 2020, like we think of the beach as like vacation, like this is awesome. But in the ancient world, the, the sea was unpredictable. The sea was where the storms came from, tsunamis, death. People would go out uh, on trips or fishing and they would never return. And so it was a place of the unknown. And this metaphor here is like there, there's... That is not going to be. There's, there's no more death. There's no tsunamis. There's no storms. Verse 2, it says this. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Consider that. If, if you're a married man, my wedding, my, my wife was walked down by her father who gave her away to me. And it's like beyond, like you can't just say it was a highlight of your life. It was like beyond that. It's like the most beautiful, wonderful thing I've been looking forward to since I was a little boy. And, and, and God is saying that it's like that. Heaven coming to earth is like a bride coming to her husband. Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, 
the loud voices from the throne, very good news in the book of Revelation. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Can you believe that? Like this is the best news ever. No more pain. Think about that. You should amen this. No more COVID. No more sickness. No more cancer. I just did, last week I did a funeral for a young man. He's my age, 42. You better say he's a young man. Um, he, he had cancer. And in six months, his, his body was, no, he died in six months after hearing the news. He has uh, four, is it four or three little, three little children? And I did his funeral. And so th- that's like, that's the way it should not be. And in this new heaven, in this new earth, there's no pain. There's no COVID. There's no cancer. Um, my wife went on a limb and talked because we, we know her from our college and young adult days, uh, said to this mom, like, we as a church, she volunteered you, we are going to take care of your kids' Christmas gifts. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that later and helping them. But in this vision of heaven and, and what is to come, no more pain, no more mourning, no more funerals, no more death. The old order of things has passed away. Verse five, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from a spring of water of life. Verse seven, those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. This is the word of the Lord and God's people said, Amen. Or thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, wow. Thank you for this image of what is to come while there is death and suffering and disease and sickness, pandemic here on this earth and uncertainty and political uncertainty and and racial um, discrepancies and people disliking and hating one another. Lord, while this earth is broken, Lord, it's your earth. It's it's your kingdom that is going to come to this earth and make it right. A new heaven and a new earth. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. And all God's people shouted with joy. Amen. Amen. All right. You may be seated. So what are these four sures that we need to talk about? There's four of them and they are again and again. All of them are in the text of scripture again and again and again. These are sure things that we hope for as Christians. And so no matter the denomination, I can name all the denominations. We all as Christians, we would say, yeah, these four things we all of course believe. We're zooming way up now and saying as it pertains to the end times, we all believe this. We could all agree. We all hope for again and again and again in scripture are these four things. In fact, these things are found in the Nicene Creed. You might ask, what is the Nicene Creed? 
I'm glad you asked. Well, back in the day, like 300s, 325 AD, when the church was allowed to convene before this time, it was like, as we've been talking about in the book of Revelation, the church was under persecution by the Roman Empire. The known world at the time killed Jesus and they were killing Christians. It was illegal to become a Christian. And that changes pretty dramatically and pretty quickly when Constantine becomes an emperor. He becomes a Christian himself. He legalizes Christianity. He calls for a council. Christians all over the world, we need to get together. Bishops from every city, like whoever's the leader of the city, or maybe there was a couple of them, they're invited to the city of Nicaea and let write down what it is we believe universally ecumenically let's gather together and they declared it wasn't like we were debating different things no as a church we declared and it's written if you go out to the lobby and take a right where there's the guest table there's a big banner that says this it says we believe in one lord the father the almighty maker of heaven and earth of all that is seen and unseen and it goes on to say we believe in jesus the lord who was is god we believe in, in one church, we believe it gets down to this line about the end. It says this, if you know it, say it with me. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. So there's some points here. We all believe this as Christians. This is what we all hope for. This is what we all believe. He will come again. In glory, and I'm going to add that we don't know when that is. Again and again in scripture, we don't know when that's going to be. So he will come again in glory. We don't know when that is, but he will judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. So these are the four sures of the end times. These are the things that Christians hold to, that we profess. So let's go through each one of these four. The first one is this, Jesus will come again. Point number one of a four-point sermon. I know, I know, it's not three points. The first point is Jesus will come again. This is what we know. This is what we hope for. This is what we believe. He said he's coming again. In fact, the book of Revelation ends with this. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. That's how the Bible ends again and again and again. Jesus says he's coming again, again and again throughout the New Testament. And the letters people write, they encourage each other with this. He is coming again. And he is coming to this earth. Like that's what we believe. He is coming and he is going to make all things right. And it's his, him and his kingdom coming to earth. And so there is this thought amongst Christians that, that I think it's a, it's a wrong hope that we get to just escape this earth. Like let's let the earth burn and let's just leave and, and let's just have a holy huddle club. It's like, no, well that's, that's in some ways it's like, yes, we do go to paradise. But the real hope we have as Christians is that Jesus is coming here to make all things right. Can I get an amen? And, and the dead will be right and we will be restored and resurrected, like not just restored, but like resurrected with these beautiful, wonderful bodies, like a seed uh, is planted in the ground, Paul says in, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, that a seed is planted in the ground, it dies, and then it comes up raised to a whole new thing. Jesus is coming here to make all things right. There's this theology, maybe you've heard of the rapture, that we go up to meet the Lord in the sky, the dead will be raised first, and then those living will go up and meet the Lord in the air 
there. This is in Second First uh, Thessalonians. Is it First or Second Thessalonians? I'm asking. I don't know. One of the one of the. Okay, so in Thessalonians, we go up to meet Jesus in the air, and it's like we, like a king coming into a city, having ruled victorious and, and fought mighty in battle, and the king is returning with joy. We go out of the city to meet the king. We celebrate, and there's, there's a party in the streets, and the king comes back to the city, and the new city is born because the king has been victorious. And so this is this image of the rapture, us meeting the Lord, the dead in Christ, those living on the earth, meeting the Lord as he is coming to rule and to reign with a new heaven and a new earth. This is our hope. This is the, what we believe as the church. Jesus will come again. Amen? Amen. Point number two is this, is that we don't know when. We don't know when this is. There's many things that God wants us to know. There's many things God wants us to study. There's many proverbs. There's many, uh, lots of knowledge the Lord wants us to get. But one of the things we are unable to know is when this will happen. We do not know when Jesus will return. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, you yourself are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Well, how does a thief come in the night? Does he make a big show about it? Does he turn on every light and, and let everybody know when he's coming? No, that'd be a bad thief. Like you come quietly, you sneak in and no one knows the day or the time or the hour. And then all of a sudden it's there, it's happening. And, and so like that, like the no one knows, that is how Jesus will return like the thief in the night. Not that he's coming to steal something, but like a thief in the night, then that no one knows. In fact, Matthew 24, 36 says this, no one knows about the day or the hour. So if ever, like here we are preaching in Revelation, at some point from here to, to I, I imagine in, in your lifetime, someone, because this keeps happening, someone will pick a date and a time and it will gain a lot of traction and they'll have reasons for it. And for whatever those reasons might be, uh, years ago, it was like Y2K. Remember this? Like in my lifetime, like everybody thought the world was ending Y2K. Are you, any of you old enough to remember this? For me, it was, I was 22 years old and the world was ending. I was even living in, in Utah at the time. And Utah took it like to a whole nother level, like being a lot of Mormons. And they really thought the world was ending. So like everybody's garage, not just had like one generator, but like three generators and all this food and all this stuff. And everyone was making fun of me because I was like, I kept having, I kept saying this. It was kind of a joke, but I look back, it was like, it wasn't funny at all. It was like very serious. And I said like, if everyone thinks that Jesus is returning and the world is ending in Y2K, then it couldn't possibly be Y2K because everyone thinks it's Y2K. And the Bible says, Clearly that no one knows the day or hour. So if all these people are guessing that it's Y2K, then it couldn't possibly be Y2K because we're not supposed to know. It makes sense in my head, right? And everybody's like, no, we know. Boy, the computers are all going to crash. The zero zeros are all, it's all, we're all going to die. Jesus is returning. And now I look back and like, don't, didn't we learn anything to not, we can't know when. Jesus says it's one of the things we can't know. So point one is he is returning, but we won't know when. Point three is this. Jesus will judge and make things right. 
Jesus will come and he will judge, it says, the living and the dead as it's written in the creed. And he will make things right. And if you're like, well, how can judgment be right? Listen to the sermon from last week. Brett preached one of the best, if not the best message on judgment and why we need judgment that I have ever heard. It's on Facebook. You can go to YouTube, find New Life Manitou. Listen to this sermon if you did not listen to it last week. He goes into a detail about a hurting tooth, which everyone was kind of cringing. I know I was cringing because he says he had had fillings. The fillings fell out and it's painful. Then he bit down on a popcorn kernel and busted the tooth and cracked it. And he's just going on and on about and how much pain he was in. And I don't even have tooth problems. And I was like, oh, my teeth are starting to hurt just listening to this. And he started off the sermon by saying, no one likes to go to the dentist. No one likes to be judged, right? Until something is horribly wrong. And then in all that pain, he says he sought out the dentist and he longed for the moment when the dentist would judge the tooth wrong and painful and horrible and it needed to come out and it did and now I'm are you fine now you good you good now he's fine he's fine he's good that was that was a while ago <laughs> you're welcome thanks for asking and so like this image I just thought it was brilliantly preached Brett uh with, with this the God himself in charge, removing from us, removing from this world, the painful, horrible uh, things that need to be removed from this world and out, out of us. And so he preached a sermon about the goodness of judgment because our God is good. So he will come again. We don't know when, and when he does, he will judge, and this will actually be a good thing. Everything will be made right. Point number four is this. His kingdom will have no end. His kingdom will have no end. His power is eternal. His ways are eternal. His ways are good. If Revelation shows us anything, it's that in the end, he wins. Jesus wins. I remember the old, I had a friend who was a very strong believer, is a strong believer. And on his cell phone, remember the old Nokia phones where you could put your name on it, like that you could type in your name. He put Jesus wins. And I remember seeing that. I was like, well, Jesus wins. Like, what do you mean? Why do you get that? It's like, he wins. We already know the ending. It was a reminder of every time he looked at the phone that Jesus wins. No matter what we're going through, no matter the stress of this world, there's a lot of unknowns, guys. I mean, we all know this things are changing uh, by the week by the like the two week cycles like the the politics and the election and there is a lot of unknowns there's a lot of reasons we could be fearful and think the lord is not in charge but he is and he has already won he will win he is winning now his kingdom is eternal don't be afraid he has won and he has all power so these four points, and it's a shorter sermon today because I didn't want you to go on and on about, oh, he preached a four-point sermon and went on and on and on, and he just didn't ever shut up. Um, here we go. 
Jesus will return. He is coming. This is our hope. He is coming. A new heaven and a new earth to this place. This place restored and renewed in a way that it, 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 it's not like just like, oh, it's going to be like it was in Eden. No, no, no. It's going to be a city. It's going to be better than it ever was. It's going to be resurrected and all made new. And we don't know when. Let this be a reminder to us, kind of a warning. Like, like, like I, no, there's no theory right now, I don't think, that's popular saying, oh, Jesus is coming back this date or this time, but something will happen. I mean, it's, it's kind of like every five years, every 10 years, every 20 years, someone will pick a date and it'll gain some traction amongst Christians and it'll become this thing. Don't let it become a thing. We do not know when he is returning. Jesus will return. We don't know when. And when he comes, he will make all things right. He will judge the living and the dead and it will be a wonderful thing where all the unholy things are pulled up out of us. And finally, uh, his kingdom will have no end. I want to reread Revelation 21 as we close today. Would you stand with me again? And on your way up, you can get the communion elements. They're in your baskets. Uh, bread is going to lead us in communion. And it, this is, he'll, he'll say this as well, but this is an open table for anyone who believes in Jesus to receive. This is a table where we receive the mysteries of, of God and we are invited to his table. And somehow this table in heaven looks like a feast. And here we are with these elements representing this mystery of this feast that is to come. So here's Revelation 21. I'm going to read these seven verses again. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse four, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Praise you, Jesus. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is Done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. That's good news, Manitou. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Lord, we worship you and praise you, this image of the new heaven and the new earth, this mystery of you giving us sustenance, from yourself. Lord, we praise you. We come to your table humbly, Lord, thanking you for these mysteries.